The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, pridedetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Pride of Detroit on threads, Instagram, anywhere you look, you know where to find us, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Running with a bit of a skeleton crew here today, I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter and threads. Jeremy is taking some well-deserved time off, and the rock god Ryan Matthews has been fighting a guerrilla war against AT&T for getting his internet back and fighting Mother Nature herself. So... Yeah. He sent me a Predator uh, gif, a gif of Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator saying what he was going to do to AT&T. So it is myself and joining me is the man who only sometimes wears his shirt, Hamza Bakush, at Hamza P.O.D. on Twitter, at Hamza B.A.C.C. on threads. Uh, how, how are you? How are you, Hamza? How are we? I'm well, you know, I would be better if you let me take my shirt off, but unfortunately that goes against Twitch community guidelines. So considering I have my shirt on. Is it that hot there that you just need to take your shirt off or you? It is. It's it's 91 degrees right now. It's hot as balls in New York City. It's about the same here in L.A. So this is kind of the this is the backup crew here. But guess what? We still got to bring you podcast. And today we're going to be talking some fantasy football. We made sure to try to do this on a week where Jeremy wouldn't be here. And it's not quite fantasy football, is it, Hamza? Because we're looking at the Lions and trying to figure out Lions production just by means of fantasy football, right? Yeah. Going to see where everyone lands in terms of target share, how many mouths there are to feed, where things are going to go when Jared Goff lets go of his balls. You just wanted to do that. You just wanted to say that, didn't you? I'm sorry. I'm in a silly, goofy mood. Yeah, you are. You are. And meanwhile, I'm like trying to change stuff on Twitch just because I hadn't. And uh, figuring out I'm figuring out things as we go. This is this is going to be a very adequate podcast. And I think that's where it's best. We are in the midst of July. If you're listening, thank you, as always, because it's a tough time, because after tonight with the all star game, there's not even any of the big four sports on right now. And it's uh, quite frankly, terrifying. It's terrifying. Hey, 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 hey. We got, 
We got stage 11, stage 12 of the Tour de France coming up tomorrow morning. We got another two weeks, uh, four hours of bicycle racing every day. And then we got the Hungary Grand Prix next weekend. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo is back in a Formula One seat. Uh, This is the let's talk about fantasy football. Let's talk about (laughs) fantasy football. By the way, Hamza with Morgan joined me. We have this new podcast, Deep Dish Dives, 15 minute cuts. We recorded about three of them on Sunday. Uh, we put out one on the feed about the defensive line. We have two more coming throughout the week. Look for one that I might have to drop earlier because we did talk about black jerseys when the lion before the lions seemingly teased uh, a black jersey, which I don't think is actually a tease. But we, we could I, that that is not a tease. I, I know for, I was talking with Jeremy. I think both of us have come to the the opinion that it's not a tease for black jerseys, but we're still going to have that conversation anyway, because black jerseys are a fun topic to get the fans riled up about in July. You know, but we also know. rile up. Rod fit- Wood is listening to the people. Rod Wood is listening to the people don't like the black hey, jerseys. I am the people and the people love the black jerseys. You want to look like the Carolina Panthers? No, the Carolina Panthers want to look like me. Let's talk about some fantasy football. (laughs) So fantasy football, as you said, it is a good way. It's a good, uh, even if you don't play fantasy football, this is a good way I always found to size up skill position pieces and even some defensive pieces against the, the, the overall metric across the rest of the NFL. As you said, it's about, it's about how much, how, how your offense is kind of developed. It's how your offense plays itself out. It's how you share the ball from Jared Goff. It's how, where Jared Goff himself ranks among quarterbacks when it comes to particular production. And some of that production is skewed. It's skewed towards touchdowns. It's skewed towards uh, numbers of receptions now, thanks to PPR. Things, things, fantasy isn't a full great preview of the production itself, but A, I want to do a fantasy look on the Lions because I do run many fantasy leagues and B, that exercise itself, I still think is very valuable, Hamza. Uh, I agree. Let's do it. Let's do it. Want to start with Jared Goff? Let's do it. Uh, Jared Goff. Um, I think the biggest question with him, and this extends, of course, beyond fantasy football to real Lions fandom, is was the back half of last year a fluke or was this the new Jared Goff, right? Um, I think that a little bit of both can be true. I think he had a really nice stretch. Um, he had the complimentary pieces around him, found his stride, um, both with his teammates and with Ben Johnson as a play caller. Um, I, I fully expect the Lions to continue to put him in a good position. And I think he'll continue to grow into next year. Um, I don't know if we can expect 17 games uh, at the level that we saw him play the last seven, eight games, but something close to it, I think is, is definitely reasonable, especially when you consider the investment and in new web around him. So from my own, just looking at his logs here from last year, I, I think it's striking that, especially when it comes to touchdowns, Jared Goff is very much so, at least in fantasy terms, like it's eye popping. If you see a quarterback can get like three or more touchdowns and those all came either late in the season. He had in the last five games, three games where he had three touchdowns against Minnesota, Carolina and Chicago. But then uh, to start the year, two of his first five games, he has four touchdowns. 
Now, a lot in between is a lot of zeros and ones and twos. So now that those are passing touchdowns. And as we know, for the Detroit Lions, they punched a lot of their, 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 uh, you know, they punched a lot of their balls in. You can laugh about that all you want, Hamza. They could punch a lot of their balls in thanks to Jamal Williams. That was kind of their red zone complement, their, their red zone offense. And really the yardage kind of stayed, but the yardage was also down in, in quite a few of those games. You know, he only had like, what, 160 yards against the Giants. So, yeah, as you say, it was consistency there, even when the offense was one of the better ones in the NFL. He drove he drove a lot of it, but I think it was a little more balanced than I think we give it credit for. And we look to Jared Goff. We look to a man who just, as you say, he has a lot of weapons. Pro Football Focus, I believe, put out their draft guide for fantasy. And I believe Jared Goff, if I can find my tab again, was ranked QB 18. So probably not one of the first ones to go off the board. But if I was going to say pretty good value for what he is, and I think probably the main thing in fantasy is that you're just not going to see a lot of interceptions out of him, especially if he can keep that interception number down. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of taking a quarterback high in the draft ball or, you know, exceptions like Mahomes. I understand that. Um, but I've always been find a guy in the sweet spot around six to 10, who you think is in the top of that second tier. Um, for, for a long time, actually, that was, uh, I remember the first year I adopted that strategy, that man was Jay Cutler and that paid off handsomely for me. Um, but even, I mean, there were times as recently as I believe it was a Super Bowl winning year for the Buccaneers. I got Tom Brady in seventh, eighth round of, a, I think it was 12 man league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I think either you swing for, uh, the top of that second tier if they fall into your lap. Um, but a guy like Jared Goff, I, I, don't think he falls into that tier necessarily, right? Because yes, even we get him in the final rounds. Yeah. Yeah. I if if anything, he's he's kind of like a draft day equivalent is the guy who it's round seven, you have a seventh round pick. It's either like I'm gonna use it on a special teamer who might make the team, or I can get this UDFA who I really don't want to go to another team. Jared right. Goff is that UDFA, right? But you use the round 14, 15 pick on him to make sure he goes to you and not to someone else on the chance that he sustains his production at a high level. Right. I, I think th- I think there's two questions to that. One is the will the upside continue to be upside? Will the, will those yardage and touchdown numbers become more become more consistent, but also become have some games where he can actually pop off. And the question is, can he keep those interception numbers down now? Granted, because he's not a name quarterback, that just means a lot of other people drafting for their teams will kind of ignore him. And that means that if you do believe in Jared Goff and you do believe in that value going up, means a lot. He's probably a lot more available, uh, available to you. And hell, you might even be able to pick him up on a waiver on a waiver wire. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that in my mind, and I mean, that's, that's always the thing about drafts for quarterbacks and fantasy, right? Is like, it's, it feels like most of the time we're just looking for a name. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as drafting quarterbacks too early. Any, I mean, early anymore, unless again, as you say, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that really depends on the crowd because it's funny you say that in my experience, my circles um, of who I play fantasy football with are a lot of guys from Southeast Michigan, Lions fans. So, you know, for the last 10 years, it's been like, well, I'm not, I won't hold my breath for any Lions player because if I draft them, I have to beat out nine other guys, 11 other guys who want to also get the same player. So I'm going to have to overdraft. Whereas, you know, if you're playing with 
folks from a national market, then I'm sure you can get Lions players out of steel if you know the intricacies. See, I we're going to move on now to running backs because I take the opposite approach sometimes with Lions because I love pl- playing fantasy leagues with the Lions fans because they always value Lions players more than I do. Right. And especially in the running back position. Yeah, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> oh my God, DeAndre Swift. Like I even had national people asking me as a Lions analyst to talk about like, hey, what do you think DeAndre Swift's going to do as far as fantasy? I'm like, stay away. Stay away. Right. This is the Lions run game. What are you talking about? But this year, Hamza, might be the year it changes because A, everyone saw what they did with Jamal Williams last year and went nuts to pick him up on the waiver wire. And whoever did, you made a fortune in your fantasy league, I am sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I would understand the hype if Jamal Williams were coming back. But really, you look at the David Montgomery situation, like if, if the Lions didn't draft Samir Gibbs, um, I'm, I, I think David Montgomery is a shoe in to take that role and, you know, probably goes relatively high um but with jameer gibbs it really is a wild card what kind of role is gibbs going to play is he going to be a between the 20s will he split the 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 carries with montgomery between the tackles and the red zone um but i'm hoping that pushes down david montgomery far enough that people can see him as essentially rb2 and you get a steal um because i I don't think he's going to match jamal williams production um when it comes to touchdowns but I think he's going to excel even better than Jamal did uh, between the 20s. David Montgomery is a bell cow back, whether Jameer Gibbs is there or not. And I'm really excited for him to put up those numbers on a consistent basis. Yeah, let's 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 put Jameer Gibbs to the side because I we, I do want to talk about him because it's really hard to trust a rookie running back. But I, lo- I looked at the logs, you know, Montgomery had last year. Not a lot, not very much really to talk about. Five touchdowns on the year. And yeah, he had a bad offensive line and the and the Bears really didn't know what really to do with him. And even his mm-hmm. yardage uses, I think he only had one game over 100 yards. So mm-hmm. I think it's like, I think there's been a lot of talk among Lions fans that, to your point, Montgomery will just come in and just immediately be the Jamal Williams equivalent. We still have to see that he's able to do that or if they even want to use him in that role, continue to do that. Because if Gibbs can also be effective in the red zone, which DeAndre Swift wasn't, that does take touches away from Montgomery. I think we've all just kind of associated ourselves with like that Swift Williams model gets translated over to Gibbs Montgomery. But you don't think it's going to be that. No, I I don't necessarily. Uh, I I think there's a few different things in play here. First of all, I believe it was in 2021, uh, David Montgomery got injured for a couple games. Khalil Herbert stepped in and went nuts. Um, I remember that particularly because I picked him up on my waiver wire and I believe started him at running back for the rest of the year. So Mm -hmm. he ended up splitting a good share the last two years of his carries with RB2 and RB2 three in Chicago. Um, mind you, yeah, he did stay relatively healthy last season. I says here he played in 16 out of 17 games. Um, but that was a down year on um, he, his, if you project his 2020 and 2021, which again, he's a relatively young guy. This isn't someone who's, who has worn out knees, uh, whose best days are behind him. His best days are in front of him. Um, if, if you project that behind a, the, a, a solid volume, in Detroit, but B more importantly, the Lions offensive line. And I know this is a dead horse. We're going to beat this dead horse. Um, so good, but the difference it makes is just absurd because 
you think about Justin Fields, what's the narrative around Justin Fields whenever anyone talks about him? Oh, he's carrying everyone on his, on his back. Every play he has to scramble. He has no offensive line. There's no blocking. We saw it ourselves, right? Um, I mean, James Houston came to life in that game against the Bears. Um, so that same exact performance translates as well to David Montgomery. He had no support. Um, it was very much uh, a la, I don't know, any Lions running back from 2011 to 2017, where, yeah, they have potential to maybe even have a job at best back there. Chances are they're going to average 3.7 yards per carry because they're behind that offensive line. So now you flip them into the opposite situation. David Montgomery is entering his prime, uh, has the ability to be a bell cow back and take a very large uh, uh, load of carries. And he's sitting behind uh arguably one of the best rushing offensive lines in the league. And he has relief if it's needed in the form of Jameer Gibbs. Um, I, I think he's entering a really, really good situation. Um, and it's, and it's very mutually beneficial between himself and the lions. Pro football focus, I think saw him ranked about 27. So he's still like a top 30 running back. So I think in certain formats, I, I think this will be a trendy pick just again, because people think of the Jamal Williams role. And expect yeah. him for him. But I think we're both kind of a little more cool on that front. Yeah, I would be, I would pencil him in from 10 to 12 touchdowns. Um, certainly a lot more than he had in Chicago, but nowhere near the Jamal Williams numbers. Well, Jamal Williams broke Barry Sanders' record. I don't think that's, you know, that's and, kind of and reasonable. I, well, I, I think to add to that, right, it's not just going to be those, those one to two yard carries. I, 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 the way I see Dave Montgomery plays, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these come from 15, 20, 25 yards out. He also had 40 targets last year in receiving from Chicago, which, I mean, that's, we should probably talk about the guy we expect to be more of the receiving running back because like at this point, PPR is the designated standard format in fantasy. As far as I'm concerned, if you're still not playing in a PPR format, I don't know what your, what your commissioner is doing. Frankly, I say that, I say that as someone who commissions about two or three leagues every year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, But Gibbs, like, Man, okay, in fantasy terms, I don't think many people trust rookie running backs just because you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. On the other hand, PFF went ahead and put him RB15, and I think Gibbs is, like everything we've talked about this offseason, says Gibbs is going to feature quite well into this offense. Eh... I don't know. Yeah, Rule says. Bar bar someone going into a situation where they're the clear, you know, think, um, I don't know, Trent Richardson is a bad example, but for lack of a better example, Trent Richardson, where you know this guy's coming in, he's RB1, he's bell cow, he's getting every carry. Uh, I really like to stay away from rookie running backs, especially when they're in that complimentary role, right? Because for all we know, um, this ends up being a, I mean, we don't even know what the situation is going to be like. Could be, I mean... RB 1.5 could be RB 2.5 um, where I do like Gibbs is, and hopefully we'll get some indication of this in the preseason is as a offensive weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that really changed my mind about him coming out of the draft was um, he was the only player um, in the history of college football recorded stats to meet a certain threshold. I believe it was somewhere around averaging 40 receiving yards and 40 rushing yards in a game. Um give or take five for each of those uh, in addition to Percy Harvin. And so when you put it that way, this guy isn't just a running back the same way Percy Harvin wasn't just a wide receiver. 
if we see in the preseason, the Lions use him in that capacity, then yeah, I'm all in. Get him as your quote unquote running back. And he's going to get you PPR galore. Um, even if he's catching screen passes, qu- catching quick slants, which he did, you flex him out against a linebacker and like he didn't, like they did in Alabama, your cash money, your golden for a running back. That's just, that's free real estate. So um, I don't necessarily like him as a true running back when it comes to fantasy, especially given Montgomery's presence and the role, I think Montgomery will play between the twenties, especially. Um, but if if the Lions continue to use him in that Percy Harvin-esque role, uh, all in on him as your flex, as your RB2, as whatever it may be. Yeah, I think that's about fair about what where you draft him as RB2. Obviously, he's not... Running back is becoming such a hard position to draft in fantasy, and I think that's part of the move to PPR, half PPR. It's a move. It's the move towards more wide receivers and even, even the elite tight ends getting drafted in the first round, whereas in the past it was always RB. It was RB or bust to go up there. But, I mean, RB still gives you a ton of volume, but I don't look at Jameer Gibbs and say, yeah, this is going to be the volume right. running back that we're used to, but he will make up for it in PPR production because he will be that pass catching threat. But again, to your point, like we knew Swift was a pass catching running back as and well, I, not even much of one. But if it was if there was ever going to be a running back on the field that would cap to catch passes, it yeah. would be Swift. Mm-hmm. Williams wasn't doing that. That yeah. picture isn't as clear with Montgomery and Gibbs, to your point. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking fantasy football here. That becomes a really sticky situation of trying to project that across the the depth chart into the season. Mm-hmm. But let's take a second to appreciate as Lions fans, fantasy football aside, how incredible that is, right? Yes, the more Lions flexible. Really, really tried to put Jamal Williams into this position last year of he can catch passes out of the backfield. He couldn't, right? That was that was the nature of it. He as much as he said I'm gonna work on it, like it didn't come to fruition. Um and if you have that flexibility with David Montgomery, who, as you said, um, had around 40 targets last year, Jameer Gibbs can obviously catch. Um, the Lions are no longer in a position where you trot a guy out at running back and you know whether they're passing or, or running. That's a huge difference compared to last year. And that'll translate not only in passing situations, but also to opening up um, the uh I mean, opening up the middle on runs, translating to play action. Play action is going to go insane. Uh, mm-hmm. They can't full full sell out for any one or the other. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll move on to wide receivers. And the biggest question, I think anyone, if you're going to draft any Lions in fantasy, the question is, oh God, which receiver to take outside of Amon Ross St. Brown? And what is Amon St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown going to do? Uh, spoiler alert, he's a, he's, a top 50 fantasy player to no one's surprise. But I think the question of volume in such a shared situation is one of a question. And then we'll also talk about a little bit of DST. I'm debating if I want to talk IDP at all. I've never played IDP. I don't know. We do have to talk kickers because uh, Hamza's here. And also because I think one of our most successful articles ever on POD was the kicker fantasy football article and tight end even bother with the Lions at tight end right now, or is it just too much unknowns? But we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast fantasy piracy edition.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Myself and Hamza talking about the Lions from fantasy production perspective and trying to glean everything we can out of this roster sitting here in July. Uh, let's move on over to the wide receivers because, man, this is a lot of mouths to feed. You know, you take DJ Shark out of the equation and all of a sudden, like, you know, you look at Khalif Raymond, you kind of expect him to do a little bit more. And in fantasy terms, I think Khalif is someone who probably makes team managers upset because he is the uh, touch filter. But I guess it all comes back to Amon Ra St. Brown, who from every kit I've looked at, he is a top 20 draft pros- uh, fantasy fantasy draft prospect. Everyone wants Amon Ra St. Brown for a lot of obvious reasons. Uh, touchdowns, conversions, most of all, just volume, 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 volume. St. Brown, especially in PPR and half point PPR leagues is a monster in that regard. And PFF, I believe had him 19th overall, their ninth wide receiver. So that said, I think the Lions offense, we've talked about this a lot over this offseason, Hamza, they want to spread the ball out more. They don't want like, as a primarily slot guy who moves to the outside, I don't think the plan has ever been that St. Brown is the volume guy. He just happens to be a guy who's getting open the most and the one that Jared Goff's trust the most, as evidenced by apparently no look, no look um, <laughs> catches, as we just saw this week. Ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Yeah. So I guess that's the question, but. You know, Jamison, Jamison Williams out six games to start the year. So I guess the question is, is this volume going to continue for St. Brown? Uh, I say I want to say no. Um, I don't think it's because of Jamison Williams, though, uh, or any wide receiver addition for that matter. I think it comes in the form of two things. First of all, Sam Laporta. Second of all, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I'm very high on Laporta. Very excited for him. Right. He accomplished what he accomplished with one of the worst offenses historically and like the, you know, top level power five football. Um, if anyone turned on the Iowa offense, any time of last year, you saw that it was a form of torture to watch them play on offense. Um, the only reason Brian Ferentz is still there is because of nepotism uh, and he should not be employed in as an offensive coordinator in power five football. Sam Laporta still managed to put up some really good numbers and be the prospect that he is based on production. And we know production, although never a true indicator of um, NFL output in college, is a good indicator of where someone will be drafted. So that tells me Sam Laporta made the most of his opportunities. He is the opposite of what TJ Hawk has been brought to the table. He finds ways to get open, knows how to sit in his zone really well, has gets yards after the catch. He's a very hard man to bring down. Um, 
And most importantly, I think he excels really well at what the Lions maximized with Brock Wright at the end of last season, which is find the open hole in the zone, sit in there. We saw it out of Brock Wright a lot with the Jets, where he really knows how to how to adjust his route and time his route so so he can find gaps. And I think Sam Laporta does a lot of the same, but has a better profile. Um, so I, I see a lot of target share going to Sam Laporta. I wouldn't be surprised if he lines up in slot. Uh, quite frequently. And then likewise, Jameer Gibbs, we talked about this earlier. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see him being the, the guy who runs the, the fly route. It's the shift him from the backfield to the slot, get him on a slant, get him on a screen, something like that. Um, so as far as target share goes, I, I see maybe some distribution there. It still will primarily be Amon Ross St. Brown, um, especially those first six games, right? I don't see Jamison Williams as a volume guy. I see him as a maybe three to five catches a game guy that go for 10 to 20 yards. Right. And you know, that's maybe 50 to 70 yards a game. That's, that's a productive season, productive output for him. Um, so yeah, I, I do see Amon Ross St. Brown getting a slight, maybe decrease in target share. He has the opportunity to decrease. The Lions have provided Jared Goff the resources to target people other than Amon Ross St. Brown. However, I don't see a wide receiver right now on the table who really cuts into that, or, or, or affords the Lions a, you know, second volume guy. If God forbid Amon Ross St. Brown were to go out, I think that leaves significant, significant questions on the table. Yeah, and I, I look at the other receivers and I just don't see anyone who's going to really pick up that volume. And I guess in the terms of fantasy, that does, you know, ask, is it still safe to draft him? The only real competition, I think, at this point, at least for the first half of the season, comes from, as you said, non-wide receiver roles, but also maybe from Marvin Jones. But I just don't see Marvin Jones having that same uh, – he doesn't have that same relation with Jared Goff right now. I, I'm, I'm currently writing Marvin Jones' profile for Pride Detroit coming up here. And Marvin Jones, at least for fantasy, is kind of considered way down there. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if um, if Marvin Jones is a, another mouth that kind of like goes like DJ Shark. I don't think he'll be used quite the same as as Shark was that um, that sees him taking a significant amount of passes away from those top targets we discussed. Mm. I see. I. I kind of, I agree and I disagree with that statement. I I think he plays a similar a similar role to DJ Shark. However, I don't see him eating into the target share. Right? I, I think DJ Shark provided the downfield threat, the jump ball guy that the Lions have missed for the last couple of years. Marvin Jones steps into that role, but he's not going to be. Mr. 1B, Mr. 1A that he was with Golden Tate when he was with the Lions. He doesn't have that same pop anymore, but he's still a good contested catch guy. I hope he will still own the Vikings the way he did when he was here before. Um, but I don't see him as more than a wide receiver 3, 3.5 with the Lions. Um, so that, yeah, I, I see him filling in the DJ Chark role. I think that's why they brought him in and clearly they're comfortable enough with him that they didn't draft another big body guy. Um, to play an outside wide receiver role, but I don't see that coming out volume by any means, not from Jared Goff, who's not comfortable throwing into tight windows and throwing contested catches the way Stafford was. So after Jones and Williams, I guess the question then is, do we ever consider any of the other wide receivers on here on here? Or is it just kind of a, or, or I, I guess even on the fantasy side, like Williams is such a hard question to answer and coming back, you know, yes, You'll have to wait six games or whatever. Would people still want to risk drafting him in fantasy uh, for what his role is coming back? Or is like kind of like last year, it's still like a mess. Do you still see his role as 
Because I think a lot of people look at Williams and see his role being very solidified. I don't see that. I don't see that because his role wasn't solidified last year either. Right, because he had, what, four touches back half last year? And yeah, the lines were easing him in. He was, you know... Uh, new and ramping up and a rookie and this will be his true rookie season this year but still um you know I just for fantasy purposes I he is he's the opposite of what Amon Ross St. Brown is right Amon Ross St. Brown you know he's gonna get 10 targets a game 12 targets a game he'll probably catch six to nine of those um will get you 70 to 100 yards that's almost a guarantee maybe see the end zone once or twice Jamison Williams is the kind of guy who one week is going to give you five catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And the next week he'll have one catch for 17 yards, right. Or, or one, mm-hmm. one catch for 10 yards on a rush for 15. Um, so in that sense, I think, for, yeah, we can talk statistically, he'll be a wide receiver too. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, and, however, from a fantasy standpoint, um, I, I might not even touch him. Uh, if he was playing a full season, that's to me, maybe a round eight, nine wide receiver at best uh, with six game suspension, he's round 13 and beyond. Yeah. It's, it's just hard to point out what he is. And I think, again, it remains a question for the entire lion season of what Jamison Williams is. I just think that we've kind of, I think I've seen some, it, I, I think that also comes back to when people are starting to discount the lions, when they start talking about, you know, six games, Jamison Williams away, that's a pretty big blow. blow. Like I, I just don't see it. I feel like, you know, he wasn't much of a factor last year. I'm not saying that he's a bust or anything. Like I always got to walk this fine line where we're talking about Jamison right. Williams. It's just that right now the lions have him, but he hasn't defined who he is with the lions yet. And until he does that, exactly. I can't exactly do mark to market on what his value is. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like if, if you tell me, Oh, the lions are screwed. Jamison Williams out for six games. What are they missing? What did he bring to the table? Pretty sure. I mean, I, I I want to pull up his stats right now because I I don't want to quote an egregiously long egregiously low number um, yeah. just for it to be incorrect. But um, where's this? Um, twenty twenty two. Uh, one reception on nine targets for forty one yards. He had one reception. I believe he had three rushes as well. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're talking a guy who caught one football from Jared Goff in seventeen games last. Year. Yes, he didn't play all 17, but that's to say, like, you you can't tell me he's a missing piece of the puzzle for the first six games for the Lions. That's simply not true. Yeah. And again, like we, we know reasons why he was slow walked into the into there and everything off the ACL and everything, too. But until he's fully ready, like I, I don't mind the Lions taking it slow, but also at the same time, I can't ascribe a value to him while they're taking him slow. Let's talk about the uh, the tight ends, because every year, I, I think a couple, a year or two ago, someone was asking me the same question I mentioned about, a lot of people asking me about DeAndre Swift, and they were then asking about TJ Hawkinson. And my advice always on Hawkinson was stay the hell away, stay the hell away from all Lions tight ends. Damn right. Uh, you mentioned Sam Laporta. He has that problem, much like Gibbs, where he's a rookie. And this is the problem with a lot of the Lions receiving. It's why I keep going back to St. Brown as the known value on 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 receptions, because Gibbs and Laporta are both rookies. And given Laporta's profile, I expect him to be the pass catching tight end. But how much, Hamza? How much? Yeah. Tight end is so hard to figure out in in is, in, in fantasy. Especially as a rookie. rookie. But that being said, (laughs) that being said, 
I am so in on Sam Laporta. I like this is the guy round 13, round 14. If he's there, I'm 100% taking that flyer on the off chance that he is tight end 12, tight end 15, because I think that's very much on the table, right? And that that becomes trade bait when Mark Andrews twists his ankle and Travis Kelsey gets the flu. And uh, more importantly, you know, bye week, good stash, flex, good stash. Um, and I think he's the kind of guy who's going to get a good share of targets in the red zone for the Lions. I, I do think he has a lot of upside as far as fantasy goes. You know, maybe he finishes the season with, 480 yards and I don't know, seven, eight touchdowns. But as far as fantasy goes for a tight end, that's pretty good. Um, especially a rookie tight end who people are not going to be snagging up in round five, round seven, round 10, even. Yeah. I, the value on tight end is just so finicky, especially once you get past the, uh, just go ahead and say like, I don't know the first five, Mm-hmm. Well, like Kelsey, like people talk about Kelsey as like one of their first picks. Mark Andrews is probably up there after that. It's a whole wide open world. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't know if Laporta becomes one of those guys down the line, mm-hmm. but I, I guess you're just asking if you're going to see any volume out of him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I see him as a guy who's, um you know, his floor is to me, three catches for 20 yards. His ceiling is, I don't know, um, seven, eight catches for 60, 70 yards. Um, that, that's good production, right? If we're in a PPR league and you're getting five points out of your tight end who you draft in the back end of the draft, and if frankly, if you can, if you have the balls to say, I don't care about tight end, I'm going to prioritize wide receiver, quarterback, whatever it may be. I mean, five points consistently as your floor is a good spot to be. That mm-hmm. probably translates to eight, nine points a week. That's a good output for a tight end in a, in a 12-man league. And uh, now we're out of the main stuff and into the scraps of this. I have never played IDP. I don't think I can give anyone advice on it. That's the one with the defensive players? Well, IDP means individual defensive player. Yeah, I've heard about that. Some people like individuals. I guess maybe. I'm trying to figure out. I feel like I almost want to say James Houston just to see if he can keep up the sack numbers. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like between him and Aiden Hutchinson, Right. Hutchinson might be the other one to do. I don't put any value in something like, say, the um, I don't know how IDP scoring works really that much. I would just assume I mean, that Kirby Joseph might be a good investment there, especially if he can replicate his interception numbers. I don't think he really can, though. And interceptions are so they are very they're, they're, they're so random sometimes. Yeah. But you got you got Kirk Cousins and a Vikings team that's probably going to have a down year. And you got Jordan Love. Can't be an upgrade from Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows what happens? Bears tanking. It's fields. tanking yeah, it up. If we're talking Justin Fields, then yeah, give those interceptions to Aiden Hutchinson and draft him. <laughs> I just think those are the two like de- defensive ends you really want. And I think Houston's probably the one that might get a little higher upside for like I, I think the value on on Hutchinson is if you are drafting IDP, I think people target Hutchinson right. first, whereas Houston yeah. is just kind of the sleeper. Uh, yeah. de- defense special teams overall, though. Oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say with James Houston, though, I, I, you know, I, I would not hold my breath for him to continue performing at that level. He was like, yes, he's going to be a good player, right? I think we've established mm-hmm. that. Um, he had an incredible run the second half of the season. Yes, it was over a large sample size, but I just, I don't, don't hold your breath waiting for that. Like, yes, I, I will. I will hold my breath until I'm blue. I think Houston has. Tremendous upside at this point. So be it. So be it. Um, 
But yeah, but uh, let's talk defense special teams. Yes, let's like the entire. So I just like to stream defense special teams. So I have no strong opinions one way or another. But I think with the schedule the Lions have, that's where you want to look when you're streaming defense special teams. And the Lions do get a lot of um, teams with. I don't know how to really say this, but okay, week one. You're obviously not going to play them as the Chiefs. Seahawks at Ford Field. I don't think the Seahawks replicate their success from last year. Everyone seems to be very high in the Seahawks. I couldn't, I, I've sold all my Seahawks stock. Falcons at Packers, Panthers, Bucks. These are a lot of names where if you want to run a, a four week stretch is a good one. Yeah. That's a good one to play them in. You know what's also good? Raiders on week eight. Mm hmm. Then on the then after the bye week, maybe not against the Chargers on the road, but Bears, Packers, at Saints, at Bears, another good good stretch. I don't know what I want to do against the Broncos, and if you believe in Jeremy Reisman, then those Viking games are always good to play them too. Yeah, but I mean, by the time we get to what week fifteen, we're gonna we'll have, have to reevaluate everything the too. Yeah, Broncos, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's that is a nice stretch if you take those first couple of weeks out of there. Um, you know, I, I think the Lions defense special teams probably one you can get um, off the waiver wire at the end of the draft. I don't think anyone's taken them that high. Um, I think part of that, too, though, is you have to have um, consideration for the special teams aspect. We know Dan Campbell is one of the most aggressive coaches on fourth down. Um, and on top of that, that means he does not ask a ton of his kickers distance wise. Um, on the plus side, Michael Badgley, you know, you're probably cash if he's going to kick a field goal, but you have to ask how many field goals he's kicking. And for me, between that and the Lions lack of just like stellar defensive talent. Yes, it's a pretty schedule, but I'd stay away from them, to be honest. Now we move to why I brought you aboard. Kickers. Yes. I don't know who wins this kicker battle. So talking kickers right now feels like a complete aberration. But let's approach it from the you, you, you. We were talking, I think, in an earlier segment or during the break about what it means for it was during a break because I was talking about Tyler Bass about this idea of and you were telling me this idea about red zone efficiency determining how much a kicker gets used mm -hmm. right uh i think uh you have to look at a team that's going to have offensive success has weapons but maybe is lacking the tools to punch it in um to me like daniel carlson is textbook definition and that is you know i've rode with him for the last i think like three of the last four seasons every time i got my hands on him that i could um people you know because you have to think about it. Your Fairweather fan does not know about kickers. They certainly don't know about them from a market like Oakland or Vegas. Um, so they're all going to want Justin Tucker. And then they're going to want, uh, I don't know, uh, Harrison Bucker, who deserves to be up there. He's always a great pick because it's the Chiefs. Um, he's like, you know, it's like the the Mahomes, the Kelsey, but at kicker, it's just like he overrides all. Um I think a very sleeper pick, Jake Moody. Um, you know, you're looking at San Francisco still has questions at quarterback, um, was still able to move the ball, and they have weapons in Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and uh, Brandon Ayuk, folks like that, George Kittle. I mean, it's it's unreal. 
Um, I think having Trey Lance and hopefully a healthy Brock Purdy means they can move the ball, but you still have questions about that red zone. Um, there will be production regardless. Uh, and I think opportunities for kickers, Kyle Shanahan is not allergic to doing that. They drafted Jake Moody in the third round for a reason. Um, I would put him very much as a sleeper to be on the top end of that kicker spectrum. Uh, so that Jake Moody, Daniel Carlson, Harrison Butker, um, Tyler Bass, you know, depends on what the bills are looking at. Um, Obviously, they struggled a bit more earlier on than they did later in the season with their um, uh, uh, red zone performance, but um, has potential. Um, I don't know if I'd spend something high on him. Uh, the Eagles are stellar on offense. I think they'll continue to be well, let's, stellar let's, on offense. Let, let, let's bring this back to the Lions. Like who? And I guess Sorry. I should ask this. Who do you want to see win the battle, too? And also, regardless of who wins that battle, do you think with red zone efficiency for the Lions – with a coach that is aggressive going for it in Dan Campbell and seeing that now in this era of Lions football, they actually have targets that can convert in the red zone. In the past, it's been awful, woeful red zone efficiency. Do you just even bother with the Lions kicker regardless of who wins it? No, no. Okay. Um, maybe maybe if it's John Parker Romo. Um, just for the 50 all- plus? Right. It just, just for that, strictly for that. But even then, if he wins the battle, I would have to wait and see is Dan Campbell kicking these? Because like, last year he, he didn't. Um, I, I mean, we knew Riley Patterson had some range enough to get to probably the high fifties um, and Campbell didn't kick those. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I, I'm not touching the lines kickers or special teams as far as fantasy goes. That's all I really needed to hear out of you. As the kicker guru himself. I'm sure Jeremy would appreciate that too. I don't think there's any points for fan for punters in fantasy. Are there, is there? Mm-hmm. I think there is in some formats, but I'm not going to talk about them. Yeah, not not in the standard. So right. fortunately, the lines are out of luck. Kicking is not a priority in Detroit. And that's it for fantasy. Jeremy, if you're listening to this, you're free to come back. We ripped off the band-aid. Hamza can find you on Twitter at Hamza P-O-D-N on threads at Hamza B-A-C-C. Uh, must commend you because you've been growing that threads audience very well. Thank you. And enjoying enjoying the hell out of it. Yes, it's I clean. Am. I'm on Twitter and threads, both names at Chris Perfett. Lots of more coming your way here from P-O-D cast. And we're getting closer and closer to training camp, which means the previews are going to start creeping in. Expect more drops from deep dish dives. I think there is no mailbag this week from Jeremy's mouth to me, but don't take my word on it. He's taking some well-deserved time off, but kind of, ex- I almost expect there to be a Twitter call-in show still, if Twitter spaces still survives next week, but we're getting out here ourselves. I want to let you people know. We'll see you star side. Star <laughs> side.